This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour One Podcast. This might be college football, heaven. The second half of the show is live on a Friday afternoon. We appreciate all of you being here. A lot happening in the college football space with all the drama over the future of the CFP. Chris Vanini from The Athletic joining us. Headline, ACC and Big 12 face no-win situation in the 14-team proposal. What will they do? What can they do? Why are they even in it, some are wondering. Chris Vanini with all the answers. Chris, thanks for the time. We always appreciate it. There's so much chaos going on right now over the CFP. We thought it was great. There would be a 12-team playoff. We haven't got there yet. Now there's 14, 16. Who knows what it's going to be? What do you make out of all of this? Yeah, I was there in, uh, here in Dallas last week when they had their most recent meeting and they come out of it talking about 14 and also telling us that they've got about a month to figure it out after it took three years to get to a 12-team playoff. we got a month to go to 14. And so it's, it, it's a quick thing that's happening here, and the Big Ten and the SEC are now throwing around their weight, uh, emphasizing that they have most of the teams that make the playoff, they have the most money, they have the most NFL players, all these types of things. And so they, you know, throw out potentially the idea of having four automatic qualifier spots for each of them. And so, you know, you aim high, you negotiate it down. And so now we have uh, one of several proposals out there that would be three and three for the Big Ten SEC, two and two for the ACC Big 12, one for the group of five and three at larges. And everybody's focused on the SEC and the Big Ten in this part because they're the ones kind of controlling things as we know. But the ACC and the Big 12 play an important role here. They're the only ones with any kind of power to push back. But how hard can they push back? Is this proposal the best thing they can get out of a bad situation? Two guaranteed spots in the CFP is a pretty good situation for them. There are many years where they would not get that otherwise. But in exchange for that, you would have the Big Ten and SEC guaranteeing themselves three, making yourself second class, and potentially both first-round buys. It's the buys part that I've been talking to people around the sports. That's the one that's really ruffled a lot of feathers, the idea that an undefeated Big 12 team may not get that first potentially. So that's where things kind of stand, the commissioners, We'll meet next week and continue to talk about this. Chris Fanini with us, uh, outstanding journalist with The Athletic. Chris, that has been the talk all day. And listen, nothing like a a bunch of folks who cover college football overreacting on social media. But uh, you you nailed it. Uh, That's what's getting everybody's attention. Uh, a, A lot of strong arrows being pointed toward the SEC and especially the Big Ten but can you explain the room? Because to get to point three, you have to go through all kinds of machinations. And 
it's, it's, a, it's a complex situation negotiating and the group of five gets something in return for you going my way. I, I realize none of us are in that room, but you talk to people who are. What, what really goes on? Yeah, well, this last meeting was, most of the meetings, not a lot of direct conversation about this stuff. The last one, they finally got down to the nuts and bolts of, of how this is going to happen. And, you know, it's it's been very, you know, not so veiled that the SEC and Big Ten might do their own thing, might threaten to, to, to go break off. They've already formed this collaborative advisory group or partnership or whatever to kind of figure out what that future looks like. And so if you're the Big 12 and the ACC, how hard do you push back on this type of stuff uh, without fear of them, of the Big Ten, the SEC just throwing up their hands and saying, we can't deal with this and going off and, and, and doing their own. And I like, I under, the, the, a key part of this proposal, which I don't hate, is that it would put the emphasis on conference standings instead of the rankings that we all get upset about or that we all like to debate. It would be important to finish first or second or third in your conference, much like it used to be before we had conference championship games back in the day. The idea is it would be more results-focused. And part of me thinks this idea would have been perfect. Like 20 years ago, you know, if, if, when conferences were 10 teams, you didn't have conference championship games, uh, it, it could fit. You could see it working together. The problem is now we've got 18-team conferences, uneven conference schedules, tiebreakers galore to figure out everything because you're not playing everybody and then conference championship games on top of that that may or may not mean anything so there are like parts of this proposal that i get i just don't find a ton of people who would prefer this to the 12 team that we've already got set chris at some point you you can work through whether you do this or that but what you said is so interesting and that's the idea that the Big Ten and the SEC would walk away. I, I realize we don't know much. Uh, the commissioners, I'm sure, are keeping that pretty close to the vest. But in your imagination, how would that work if they said, you know what, we're tired of dealing with the uh, wacko president from Washington State or the group of five uh, malcontents? Uh, we're the king of the hill. Let's just go out on our own. How would it work? It could be potential AFC, NFC type of situation. I think Scott Strickland may have floated this like a year or two ago in a story I remember, the idea that the SEC could do its own playoff, the Big Ten does its own playoff, and then you have the winners meet in a Super Bowl type of thing. Um, I I heard from a lot of people, a lot of administrators, who noted that uh, when, when uh, your network ESPN wrote a story about this uh, a day or two ago, in the middle of that story, was a quote from an anonymous source saying there are serious talks about the Big Ten and the SEC going off to do their own thing, to which a lot of people said to me, wait a minute, why, why is that in the middle of this story? That feels like that should be the story. That, like, that is really the thing. And so how much of this is just saber rattling and a threat? How much of this is real yet? Um, the Big Ten SEC advisory group, you know, they only just now started that. Uh, I don't even know if they've had any calls yet, but presidents, athletic directors, everybody getting together, they're clearly starting that process. And there's nothing anybody can really do to stop it. The consolidation has already happened financially and with realignment. And if you're the Big 12, the ACC, or the Group of Five, all you can really do is try to delay that separation as, as, as much as possible. And that may mean 
agreeing to a CFP uh, format that might be a bit of a tough sell to your fans. Chris, uh, you mentioned ESPN. Uh, it's well known that Fox played a fairly significant role in the inclusion of Oregon and Washington. Uh, I'm sure you've written about that. Uh, where would the networks, who seem to play into every conversation in everything that we, we, we watch, uh, where do you think they would fit into all this? In terms of a breakaway, I don't know, but you know, we've reported, others have reported that ESPN and representatives for the CFP have already agreed on the tentative terms for a new deal, an average of $1.3 billion per year as part of a six-year extension. Uh, Fox, NBC, nobody else came with an offer that was as good enough. Because remember, a couple of years ago, you had Kevin Warren and, and some people saying we need multiple partners in the CFP, just like the NFL does. More competition, pit them against each other, you have more control. Instead, it looks like it's going to be ESPN controlling it once again. And ESPN is getting kind of annoyed that this CFP discussion has dragged on for so long. They got other things to get to. They got to get to UFC. They got to get to NBA. They got to get to these other negotiations that they have to do this year. And it, it, there has been other veiled threats, uh, the potential of pulling the offer if, if things don't get together. And that's why it was notable, I think, that Bill Hancock, the CFP director, said last week that we have to get this done in a month because um, I think that's about all they have. He's someone who doesn't like to put hard deadlines on things. And so when he does, I think that is a sign that this really does need to get done very quickly. We've got basketball tournaments about to start. Commissioners are going to be tied up with that. So this may all happen very quickly. Yeah, not to add to what you said a minute ago, Chris, you mentioned all the things ESPN has to get to. They also have to re-sign Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Let me, he's uh, been pretty public about everything. Too. He's been talking about it. Uh, Chris, another story happened a couple of minutes ago, and I hate to waste anybody's time on statements from the NCAA president because they're they're so nuanced and, uh, frankly, will you will fall asleep reading them. But Charlie Baker sent out a letter. I'll, I'll interpret it to, to avoid the audience on a Friday afternoon of having to, uh, you know, especially those of you in traffic. But essentially he's saying that a week after the East Tennessee federal court ruling on the Tennessee case uh, that they are not going to pursue NIL cases or put a pause on them or whatever uh, language he threw in there. Uh, I realize the answer is pretty obvious, but I'm curious just what, where we are right now uh, on that particular front. Uh, is it over for any enforcement ever again, at least in the short term or maybe the long term on NIL and maybe everything else? It is for the short term, maybe the long term. The reason the NCAA had to do this was because the injunction uh, ruled last week only applied to Tennessee and Virginia because those were the plaintiffs. And so you can't have no NIL rules in Tennessee and Virginia, but everybody else has them. So this is the NCAA basically saying, okay, everybody is now under the same rules that they don't have to abide by at the moment because um, it is just an injunction. If it goes to trial and then there's a resolution, then you would get a final decision um, if we get to that point. This is the same thing that happened with the transfers uh, a number of weeks or months ago, that basically when the state gets an injunction against the NCAA for enforcing a rule, the NCAA basically has to say, okay, everybody kind of, this applies to everybody because it wouldn't make sense to otherwise. 
By the way, for those of you operating heavy machinery or an automobile, uh, you might want to turn the sound down because I'm going to read Charlie Baker's statement. Uh, it, he says, in, res in response to this latest order, the Division I Board of Directors directed NCAA enforcement staff to pause and not begin investigations involving third-party participation in NIL-related activities. There will be no penalty for conduct that occurs consistent with the injunction while the injunction is in place. I agree with the, this decision while the progress toward long-term solutions is underway and while we await discussions with the attorneys general in circumstances that are less than ideal, that at least gives the membership notice of the board's direction related to enforcement. They basically uh, just could have uh, put out an emoji with a white flag surrendering. I don't know why we needed all that, did we, Chris? Yeah, look, it's it's weird, and like you understand the NCAA's case that it's trying to make, which is like, look, these are rules that our members agreed to. How, how are we supposed to uh, do this when these are the rules? Are you know they can't enforce the rules that they're making, and that's a really difficult spot for the NCAA to be in. And it's not just uh, NIL; it's transfers. It's so many different things right now, and this is the result of a lack of proactiveness over the last. 10, 20 years to update things. And eventually when players and I'm sorry, when coaches were making $10 million and facilities were crazy and the athletic departments were exploding in size and barely anything more was going to the players. Eventually the judges, the lawyers, the state governments, they started to notice part of me thinks if they had allowed the players to have their video game money a decade ago, and just kind of inched along a little bit with little NIL here and there, um, they may have been able to control this a lot more. They can't control it anymore because of what's happened over the last 10 to 15 years. The public opinion has switched against amateurism, and now all the courts are jumping on that. Um, so it's, just, it's interesting with the video game coming back now and the news last week that they are going to get paid $600 at least to be in the game. This is, the, this is what held things up. That was the first major NIL case that brought the national attention to, wait a minute, why is this happening this way? And if they had just, EA Sports wanted to pay the players 11, 12 years ago. The NCAA would not allow it. If they had, we might be in a bit of a different world now. So the video game's back, and it's a completely different world, and now the video game people are continually having to update their game, their upcoming game, to whatever is currently the rules in college football, which seems to change by the day. Great stuff as always, Chris Vanini from The Athletic. Many thanks, Chris. So as we head to the break, again, uh, Charlie Baker makes $3 million a year to put out mind-numbing, sleep-inducing statements like that. We will take a short break and be right back. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Back on a Friday afternoon, you get the feeling the show's about to go crazy. I do. Larry is up next. What's up? What's up? You go, Randy. Randy, do it, buddy. Boy, I'm glad to see you and Randy buddies again. Even though he said, uh, yeah, I'm glad, hey, by the way, uh, Larry, I'm glad to see you and Randy are friends again, even though he predicted seven and five for Kalen DeBoer's first year. Well, I'm going to let him off right now, but it, the retribution will be coming his way. It's still raining down on his ass like a thousand camel toes. Check it out. Uh, hold on. A thousand what? Camel toes. Camel toes. Wow. You know what? I got I got connections with the outer limits. I'm glad to hear that, Larry. Yeah, go ahead and tell us. I didn't get to finish my story the other day about belts because of that Captain Dupas you put on. Who uh, really and truly, man, he's been he's punch drunk from Bama kicking his ass so much. Who are we talking about? But I was trying to I was trying to tell you something. Yeah, there was three young ladies in there, and me and my brother buddies walking out, and the woman, I think it was the mother, hollered, "Laugh from Shelby, Paul Feinbaum show." And the point I'm trying to make with this is, you see how connected you are with the whole atmosphere, the whole criteria of people. Not just limited to a bunch of goofy people like Dwayne and I, man. You know what I'm saying? I, th- I think I do, Larry. Yeah, you got these women listening, Jack. You, so, I, so, Larry, uh, I, I think you're right, but have you, uh, and I know this is going to sound a little bit crude, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Have you benefited at all from this? Because you're a celebrity. I mean, you're like the best-known caller on the show. Uh, yeah, man, I go home and look at myself man, and go, woo! Oh, you got it, baby. You got it. So Larry, you, you go you home and look at your... And By the way, I, I once heard that, that everyone needs to look at themselves naked. Yeah. I did it once. I, Never I, again. I, I look, what a monster. Woo! I said, I'm not doing... I said, <laughs> either my eyes have fallen apart or that's not who I thought I was. <laughs> I, you know... Hey, you always get me, man. You get me laughing. Hey, check so Larry, it out. have you? Uh, I, I mean, I know, I know, I know. I think somebody was trying to set you up a couple of weeks ago. Do you have? Have you met any new women? It's no, about to be springtime in Alabama. You, you know, start wearing cutoffs and t-shirts. And... He ain't. He ain't worth two dead flies. He ain't done nothing to help me. Well, that, that's. Uh, I'm talking about Todd. Todd said oh, he was God. going to uh, fix you up. Or go up and carry you somewhere. 
I don't trust Todd now on that. He, okay. I don't that blind date of Todd. He likes. Well, no. What happened was and, what happened. If I remember the story, uh, Joe, handsome Joe, had a, met a lady that he used to be go out with. Todd said he'd take you up to that seafood platter, and you'd all double date. <laughs> what well, seafood platter and double date? I don't like double dating. Okay. Because I don't want to embarrass Todd. I don't want to embarrass him when he gets down to the hot tub, you know. <laughs> well, you know, you know Todd. Uh, Todd's a tough guy, Larry. Uh, he's uh, he's been known to uh, he's been known to break, he's been known to toss a few people out of feed stores. Let me tell you something, Jack. First, I want to tell you that outfit Hello. you're wearing. I'm really pissed about that. No, that outfit you're wearing. Why do you want to kiss them Yankees ass? Hello. You look just like that coach from Ohio State, Paul. Are you kidding me? Hey, hey, by the way, Larry, uh, Larry, 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 just hold the pike down for a second. You got anything you put on Randy? Get his ass out of that Yankee stuff. Who was that coach was fired, run off for cheating? What? You you understand? Oh, yeah, Jim Trestle. By the way, this is not a this is not a scarlet uh, sweater. It's an isn't this? Uh, hey, by the way, Todd, uh, Todd, uh, Larry, 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 Todd is on the phone right now. Hey, John, what's up, brother? Not much. What's happening, Larry? Hey, I ain't say nothing about getting in the hot tub with you now. I ain't going there, brother. I'm well, just going to give you a ride. John, you don't have to go in there naked. You wouldn't want to go in there when you seen me anyway. You'd run. Well, I'm, hey, sure, I, I'm sure there's not, not too many people that want to go in there with you, Larry. <laughs> but That's I just right, gonna, hey, I got the biggest me and my wife gonna pick you up, and Joe from Red Bay gonna have a date, and we all going out and eat. Uh well, damn the eating. I like the part after the eating, you know. Well, like the part. Uh, Larry, Larry, what are, what are you? Hold, hey, Larry, 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 what are you talking about? I like the after. <laughs> You talking about the dessert? I gotta be careful now. This is a family show, boy. Well, I gotta be careful. Hey, check it out, hey, Larry. Now, this Larry, this is a nice woman that Joe's trying to fix you up. Now you can't go in there all crazy willy nilly. Now you got to act like. Hey, this is a ticket right here. Oh, boy, this is Alabama's <laughs> finest right here. Hey, this may you be something. your ticket, Larry. When I get if I if I when I go on this date. That woman will be thanking you from now on for hooking you me up with her. She'll well, be and she's loaded to the kill, Larry. She she can buy them hundred thousand dollar bass boats. Well, okay, then I can change it. Okay, guys, I, I would love to continue this uh, to the end of time, but we we're at, we're at the end of the half hour. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Todd. We are coming back with much, much more. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. We were talking to Todd. Uh, we have him back now. Todd? Yeah, Paul. I see you jumped ship yesterday. You went from me uh, 
being your bodyguard and you jumped on Augie's ship knocking my teeth out. But I, I did want to tell you this, Paul. I used to have a girlfriend. You remember I told you I trucked forever and I haul out of every chemical plant between Mobile and uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. But I used to stay down in Baton Rouge a lot because I'd pull glue out of Exxon plant there and go to LaGrange, Georgia. But anyway, I was the youngest driver for my company. And every dance hall down through there, I knew where it was. But I had a girlfriend named Rhonda. All right, Rhonda had been married or was still married to a lawyer out of New Orleans. By the way, I always like the fact when you screw over the lawyer. Well, all right, the deal is her mother's name was Frances. She married this guy, and she's, you know, she'd get married for the rest of her life, she thought. And this guy come out of the closet, next thing you know, he's wearing a skirt and red pumps and red lipstick and ha- and won't let her get rid of Got a six-foot stuffed animal named Augie. <laughs> and she, he won't let her throw it away. But anyway, she was going through counseling with this guy. Right. At the same time, and like she was, time. I would go down to the quarter net note. Uh, it's on I-10. Like, you headed back into New Orleans. That was a dance hall down there. And this girl was just cute as she be. Looked like Laura Rutledge. And, uh, but anyway, it sounds a lot like Augie. But Augie won't put his picture and his name up there for us to see. So I don't know if it was. But if he will, I will clarify that. And I know her last name. So if he has the same last name, it is Augie, Paul. Uh, Todd, we are in your debt for breaking that code. Thank you very, very much. Okay, everybody feeling good? Yes. We got that the Da Vinci Code mystery cleared up. Ooh, Zodiac Killer has been found. Let's go back to a different time, a quieter time, a gentler time. John is next. Hello, John. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, sir. I was going to talk a little bit about uh, there's an individual who called been calling up and basically kind of reading me the riot act or paraphrasing being very dictatorial to me. And there's an individual named Harry from New Orleans. Yes. What's what's Harry's deal? Okay. Harry's been calling a long time. He's a older gentleman and i believe harry's the one that told me he's got a uh an an eyesight issue uh he works with a support group a very nice man i like him a great deal well that's good harry i think harry just wild about uh, harry yeah wild about harry but uh that's fine paul i was going to say something mean but i'm not since well, you you you're that. welcome to it uh, if you want. No, I'm not going to say a, it anyway. You a, told me about Harry, but anyway, I was going to ask about what? I said it's okay if you want to make fun of somebody with a uh, severe disability. No, I'm not going to make fun of anybody, Paul. What I'm going to talk with your about normal tonight. mo. Yeah, my normal mo, Paul. I was going to ask about uh, when you're going to have the uh, the annual reunion coming up here, and I guess. What is, what is is it 2024? When are you going to have this annual reunion of all the callers coming up here? Because I would like to drive. Are you uh, are you eligible to attend? Uh, yeah, I just bought a new vehicle uh, this afternoon. I'm very proud of it. Okay. What did, you, what, did you, uh, what did you purchase? I bought a big old damn Toyota Tundra. Oh 
wow, that's a big one. It cost me like eighty thousand dollars. Eighty thousand dollars is that what cars cost nowadays? I remember they do. It's ridiculous in the fall, but I'm very proud of this car. Of and I'm going drive, to drive it down there. With Where a would, case uh, of what beer. would be convenient for you? Uh, uh, by the way, we no, will be wherever in, uh, wherever you guys are going to be. You know, okay. you, I think the uh, the the Missis- northern Mississippi or uh, southern Mississippi is fine with me, or even down at Alabama Slamma. Oh. Uh, well, John, I, we, we will probably try to find some place uh, centrally. Usually, we we talk we try to do that at the uh, SEC media days, but this year it's in Dallas. I don't think that's going to be particularly yeah. convenient to anybody, uh, unless you're living there. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 get back to you on that, okay? Well, Paul. Anyway, hey, I was going to tell you, I'm going to be nice. You guys have a great weekend, and I tell you, my favorite caller is a young man from Pittsburgh, Dominic. Dominic. Yeah, and he's a good kid, and. Uh, He's probably a big Pirates fan yeah. and Steelers fan, and he's—I know he's a big Pittsburgh Penguins are you, uh, fan. Are, are you from somewhere other than St. Louis? Where did you grow up? Uh, I've been all over the place. Or am Bar- I getting into uh, CIA classified information territory? Yeah, I would. I Jack live- Smith coming after me. No, Paul, I did live in the uh, Arlington, Virginia area, near very close to the nation's capital. Yeah, I'm aware of that and area. And that's where that, Paul, that is where the connection is with the CIA. Oh, okay. Because okay. the CIA is in Langley. Well. Uh, so I have a question for you. Uh, have you been <laughs> yes, to uh, headquarters? Yes, I have been. Okay. Well, I, I'm not, I don't think I've ever said this, but a couple of years ago, I was invited by a friend. Um, to have mm-hmm. lunch at the executive dining room at the CIA. It is one of the most interesting experiences I've ever had going through that building. It really is, Paul. And by the way, was the food good? It was superb. Uh, yeah. I, uh, so when you get there, you go through a security, and then mm-hmm. when you get out, of you, you have to leave, your, if you're a visitor, which I was, of course, you have to leave yeah. your phone in the car. Can you imagine? You cannot well, even take it, it in. They, I mean, they don't want it. It's not like we'll we'll hold it for you, like they. Uh, by the way, it's uh, Supreme Court. I went there a couple of years ago. You have to lock your phone up in a locker there. Well, I was in the nation's capital this summer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you why, but I went into well, the capital building. I don't want to know. I don't want to have to be questioned. And they wouldn't let me that. in the building because I refused to give up my uh, intelligence with my phone. Okay. No, I understand. So Listen, I just I, left. I, I've given you two instances where I had to. Uh, disrobe my phone and by the way i'm going to segue real quick i know you're busy no i'm going to segue over to mr aj okay and paul when you when when is aj going to reveal his his true name and his id to the uh paul fine bomb show community because i think mr aj is pretty much a big fake and i've said it before and i'm going to say it again mr aj you are a clown your 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 mom and dad must be must have disowned you, young man, because you are an embarrassment over and out. Well, that is the first time. That is the very first time our friend John called in where he didn't suggest for someone to wake up and smell the coffee. So, I feel like we we are improving. Uh, Jace is in Augusta, Georgia. Hello, Jace. Hey, Paul. Uh, I want to talk about Jim. Um, you know, Jim Jim quit the show, and now he's calling back again. And uh, he, I think he called on, was it Tuesday? 
and called you an SOB and, and dropped an F-bomb on you. That is correct. And um, he never apologized for that. But then he had you apologizing for putting supposedly his cousin on air that, 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 that you know, gave some light to Jim. And you started apologizing to Jim. Jim should have been Jim should have been apologizing to you. I mean, it was it, it, it was kind of surreal. And I, I will say this about the uh, about the supposed cousin. I mean, he had a lot. He had all the information on Jim um, that I guess Jim didn't like. And um, I will say this about Jim. Um, you know, you know when you know how to say when Jim's lying. How was that? Uh, when his lips move. Oh, <laughs> I mean that's a good one. Uh, you know, never heard that one. Before. I mean, it, it... well, Jace, uh, thank you for saying that. As far as the apology, I yeah, I just and... kind of move on. I don't. Uh, I never take anything seriously uh, from one day to the next. We hit the reboot. Right, I, 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 I understand that, Paul. And, and, you know, but I just think he, you know, he owes he owes, he owes you an apology. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't um, think he does. I don't want an apology from Jim. I just uh, want Jim to be who he is. Well, I mean, you know, it, 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 as long as he's real. But, but like I said, I mean, he, he came like a, like another caller said. You know, he came out as a bigot. You know, yesterday questioning somebody's sexuality, which is which is you know taboo anyway. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't make it doesn't make a difference if anybody's straight or gay or whatever, people are people. We agree with you on that. All right, Paul. Thanks. Have a great weekend, buddy. Thank you. You too. And thanks so much, James, for uh, pointing out that Jim never apologized. Yeah. <laughs> we will head to the break. More to come. More of your phone calls. It's been a busy show on a Friday night. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Back in Squirrel on a Friday afternoon. Hello, Squirrel. Thank you for taking my call. And uh, you're going to like this. Uh, Squirrel Girl and I are about 15 minutes out of New Orleans. And uh, we're, my youngest got engaged about a month ago, and we're going down to spend the weekend with the uh, future in-law. Well, that is fantastic. So, uh, well, congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're looking forward to it. Any, um, any restaurant recommendations for tomorrow night? and. Nothing too pretentious, oh. if you don't mind. Um, where, what's, before I just give you a laundry list, where have you? Uh, where do you normally well, eat? Well, I don't want to do anything in the quarter. No, um, uh, there is I'm a good concerned. place outside I'm, I'm, of the quarter, and I'm struggling to remember the name of it. Uh, I've got some places in mind. Family, it's kind um, of a, it's in a neighborhood. Yeah, those are the best places. I'll think of and, it. Uh, we're going to uh, do some around magazines. We got a couple places around Magazine Street. I want to try. Okay. Um, and that's not too far from where my son lives. Um, the gym. It's with a, by the thing, way, it's with an M. Uh, like man, something or I mean, it is like right, uh, right there. Pasco you walk Manali, out of it and Pasco, Pasco you know, I've, I've eaten there. That's in the that's near the quarter. Uh, this yeah, is, that's this is about too, about four or five miles outside of town. Um, and I've eaten at a couple of neighborhood places. I think I told you that once. But uh, yeah, if you think about it, you know, this later one's on, right on the street with the, where the streetcar goes. So I, I'll have to think about it. That's right. That's St. Charles. Okay. And uh, that's what my son lives right off of that. So. Uh, we'll, I'll start uh, Googling hymns. And speaking of Googling, do you think uh, Jim qualifies as a religious zealot? No, no. And, and for you Auburn fans and Tennessee fans, 
That's Z-E-A-L-O-T. Do you think he qualifies? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Really <laughs> you know, you know. I'm not a, I, <laughs> it's I'm a not yes a or no answer. I mean, I'm not asking for a dissertation. Pardon me? By the way, I think the name of the restaurant is uh, Mandina's. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I know what you're talking about. I haven't been there, I don't think. So I'll, I'll I have, uh, it's, uh, it's on, uh, what are, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's actually, a, it, it's, um, it's a really interesting place. Oh, I know. I, I, I'm very familiar with it, and I don't think I've been there. So I, I, it's, a, it's something to really keep in mind, and, and uh, most likely we'll end up there. Um, but getting back to my other conversation, I was just curious, and I Googled delusional religious zealot. And you know, you'll find this interesting. They say that they hallucinate, and they, the most, you know, of course you can have visual hallucinations, but they say their most common form of hallucinations is that they hear voices that they interpret as being from God. I'm not joking, Paul. You can look that up. Wow. But I just thought you might find that fascinating. Thank you for taking my call. Thank, have thank a good you. Uh, I hope you have a great time in, oh, the, uh, in, the, in, in New Orleans. It, it's hard not to. <laughs> Especially when you're eating out. Rusty in South Bend. Hello, Rusty. Hi, Paul. I good talked up. to you a couple of weeks ago. Can you hear me good? Yes, sir. You sound great. Oh, good. I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about we thought we had a conversation about Calipari. After that LSU game, I was about to call you back with a contingency plan, but now I'm going to patiently wait and see how that season plays out. That's not why I'm calling you. I got asked a question when I was on the radio show with WTUK, and it just, I was, it blindsided me, and I was like a deer in the headlights. I said, I got to call my spokesman, Paul Feinbaum. Help me with this. But I I got my answer, but I got to give you a little rundown where I stand so you can see why I feel the way I do. Okay, sure. Okay, it has to do with the Big Ten and Notre Dame, this question does. Okay, so anyways, as a teenager growing up, I remember Rocket Ishmael. And Notre Dame was always on the TV. They didn't have their names on their shirts or nothing. I'm like, who's these jokers? These clowns can't even afford to put their names on their shirt or whatever. And I remember he ran that kickoff back. Was it Tennessee they was playing? Made a penalty. They called it back, kicked it to him again. He he. He did. He ran it back again, won the game. It was a big bowl game. Okay. I'm trying to be real quick here. So years later, I find myself living in Cincinnati, Ohio, for about six or seven years. I've been with all the Buckeye fans and all that. Bob Huggins was a basketball coach. Brian Kelly was the football coach. Well, then I find myself up here in South Bend. I'm from Harlan County, Kentucky. I'm a Kentucky fan. SEC all the way. If Kentucky can't win it, I want anybody from the SEC to win. Anybody, you know. So, anyways, I've been up here for about 16 or 18 years, right in the middle of Big Ten, Notre Dame country. I mean, it's all Notre Dame, Michigan, few Ohio State. There used to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.